It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out at the Best Coast Boys podcast with our friend John Owning. Landon, what is going on, sir? Not a lot. Just uh, another uh, Tuesday afternoon in paradise. Uh, I don't know what that, that means, but... Yeah, uh, we're we're here recording a podcast, and we're going to answer some of your podcast questions. Uh, less than a month away from training camp practices, is that hard? There to we go. There's practice. There's paradise. Yeah, I, I, I can't less believe than a month away. it's every time I hear when how soon it is, I'm shocked, and I, I, it's it it really sneaks up on you fast eventually. Which means like we're we, summer's almost all over. I mean, I know it just started this week, but it's almost over for us out here on the East Coast. Uh, you get like. <laughs> Two more months of sun and then back to snow. Um, Do you know what's funny is that is that here on the West Coast it hasn't even started yet. We have this thing called June gloom that happens in Los Angeles, I think specifically, where it's just basically gray and overcast until July. That's when summer starts for us. So we're still we're still toughing out a, a, a gloomy spring at this point. Somehow you remind me every single day that my life sucks and I, how much I'm <laughs> jealous of you, but it's okay. Uh, Coming up on today's show, we are going to answer some of your questions uh, from Twitter, and let's dive right into it. Uh, Mark wants to have us talk a little bit about Michael Gallup. What is his ceiling in 2019, and what is his ceiling overall as a player? What can Michael Gallup eventually um, develop into? Uh, Lynn, I'll let you think about your answer really quickly. Um, I saw this question come up a couple hours ago, and I was driving, and I was trying to think of what is the best case scenario for Gallup as a player? What kind of receiver could he develop into? Uh, and one player kind of jumped into my mind, similar size, similar weight, similar speed. Um, the the name that I kind of came up with, it was like maybe a little bit lesser version of Roddy White from the Falcons a few years ago. You know, just a guy who can do a little bit of everything, can play multiple spots. Uh, not super fast, but fast enough to make plays down the field. An exceptional route runner. How do you feel about the Roddy White-Michael Gallup comp? I like it. I, I mean, I think that that's uh, a good, you know, scouting comp. A good, a good player spectrum for, for Gallup to be working off of, you know? Um right. I, I do think that their games are probably pretty similar, um, and I think that that you know that's that that wouldn't be the worst model for someone like uh, for someone like Gallup. You know, I think that he needs to, and, and this is what it sounds like. And we talked about this earlier in the season. He's putting on some weight, uh, you know, specifically in his upper body. I think to kind of help with the more with the finishing aspects of, of his game. Um, you know, down the field at times, it, it, it felt like there were some 50-50 balls where you'd, you'd wish that he'd have a little bit more of a my ball mentality. But considering he was a rookie, I mean, I think that uh, you saw growth there. 
Um, you saw a guy who, uh, you know, if you're looking statistically, the part of his game that struggled the most, and this is, again, not surprising for a rookie, is, is uh, his he wasn't a very efficient target. You know, no. he he, uh, he didn't have a, a, a high completion percentage when, when thrown his way. He didn't, uh, his targets uh, to, you know, conversion ratio was not, was not fantastic. But again, that's, that's, a, that's a clear area where he can improve and a clear area where you think a, a young player uh, who's going into a second year will improve. And, I think that and it, to his credit though, I mean, a lot of his targets happen down the field and that, mm-hmm. that's partly why his efficiency is low is because those targets yeah. are just lower conversion targets than somebody who's getting targeted within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. But please go ahead. Just continue. No, no, that's a great point. And I think his A dot is, is a huge part of what is, makes him valuable, you know, for to the team uh, is that he is going to be kind of taking on a little bit more of that kind of down the field role. I think, you know, I think he'll probably do some more of, of, of a mixture of things this season, but I, I do think that his role on this team is to kind of fill that Z route, that a little bit, you know, stretching the field vertically from the outside, sort of uh, of you know role in, in this offense. And I think as far as what his ceiling can look like, you know, I, I, I'm just I, while we while you were talking, I, I pulled up some Terrence Williams numbers because I think that that's kind of what we should be looking for role wise, right? Like, I think that that's as far as sure. you know, where, where he slots into this offense and what you see with Terrence is that, you know, the one, two, three, four, five years that he was productive with Dallas, uh, he, he ranged anywhere from 550 to uh, almost 850 yards. Uh, and, you know, anywhere from zero to five touchdowns. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, and the targeting was basically kind of anywhere from 60 to, to 90 targets. I think that 2015 season could be thrown out because I think uh, that's when uh, Dez was hurt yeah. a lot. So he and, got, and so so he got a lot more targeting. Yeah, so I, I think that really, if really if you look, if you take that kind of outlier out, out of there, you're looking somewhere in the 550 to 650 yards range, anywhere from four to eight touchdowns, um, you know, and, and like I think, about 70 targets probably looks right. 65 to 75 targets is probably something that's close to what you're looking for as far as usage. And, and then what you're hoping is that he he gets a higher rate of conversion than he had last year. And hopefully maybe even a higher rate of conversion what Terrence Newman traditionally got, which was somewhere around you know 55 Terrence to William. 65%. Terrence I know William, you have Terrence Newman on uh, the Terrence brain. Newman, I'm still shocked by that stat. But, but yes, <laughs> no. Uh, no, I think if he gets something a little bit better conversion rate, he'll have better numbers there. I think Gallup could be a better version of, of Terrence Williams because I think he can do more things as a receiver. See, I kind of think that Gallup's ceiling is higher than that in terms of like stats. Why I, I think you have a good idea here of, you know, he's not going to ever probably be well, not ever, but probably not with this roster. He's going to be a guy that gets 140, 150 targets. But I do think he is somebody who could push to get you know 120 targets and convert those to 70 receptions to you know at a thousand yards. And uh, I also think there's a chance that he leads the team in touchdowns this year because if there's one. I don't want to even say weakness because it's not a weakness, but one area of Amari Cooper's game that he doesn't excel at, it's in the red zone. And I think you saw at the end of last year, especially in the playoffs, Gallup was the guy that the Cowboys were targeting inside the 10-yard line. Is it possible that he scores 
eight to ten touchdowns this year, I, I, I think there's certainly a chance. So uh, it would not shock me at all if Gallup is approaching a thousand yards and double-digit touchdowns uh, by the end of 2019. It, it, would that shock you, Landon? Well, I mean, I think he's gonna. He will have opportunity. I mean, just because, like you said, he's a deep shot guy, so there's opportunities that he'll have a big play. I think you're right in the sense that um, there's going to be a lot of focus in the middle of the field in the red zone for, on against this offense now because of Zeke and because of Witten coming back now. Um, and I think even Cooper, like he. He's not Des Bryant necessarily in that the jump ball situation. Like that's how he wants to win. He wants to win with his route running. He wants to create separation and catch the ball. And I think a lot of that may end up because of the red zone and because of tight spaces end up kind of more for the slot or in the middle of the field. So I think that there's an opportunity for Gallup to get isolation. You know, in physical isolation in the, in the field wise. Uh, with a with a cornerback who you know usually will probably be their the, t- the team's second best cornerback, and sure. I think if Gallup is developed, uh, th- there's a good opportunity that he has an advantage over most corners that he's going to face in that kind of situation. So yeah, I, long story short, I think that, that he will get a lot of opportunity. And again, I think the Terrence Williams thing, I think he can convert a higher rate of these targets than Terrence did, mm-hmm. and I think that. He will. I mean, even then, Terrence was averaging like what is a sixteen yards of reception almost. Yeah, I think if, if yep. yeah, if if Gallup can do that with while also converting a higher percentage of his targets, uh, then I then you know you're talking about a number two receiver who could be getting a thousand yards receiving or you know I, mean, I think that's that's not outside the realm of possibility with with Gallup. All right, let's go ahead and move on to another question from Kevin. Uh, which NFC playoff contender do you think the Cowboys match up the best with? Best with, and who is their worst matchup? Um, I, I kind of think they match up well with the Saints. Uh, we've seen them now a couple different times play them in really you know close games, games that they've won. Um, I, I just think with their speed on defense uh, and their pass rush, they can affect Drew Brees for whatever reason. Rod Marinelli has had a lot of success against Drew Brees, and, and now that they've lost Mark Ingram, Drew Brees is getting older. Um, you know the offensive line is older. Uh, I don't love their defense. I know it was better last year, uh, but it does seem like the Cowboys have had some success running the ball against them. It does seem like the Cowboys have success against New Orleans. So I, I feel pretty good about playing them, even if it's in New Orleans um, and the team they don't match up well with. Um, I know they haven't been great the last couple of years, but Green Bay still is terrifying to me just because of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, obviously, Rod Marinelli. And the Cowboys have had some success against them, but it seems like whenever the games matter, Aaron Rodgers just kills them. So who are the two teams that you think the Cowboys match up well with and who they don't match up well with heading into 2019? Hmm. I, I think match up well with... I think that they actually match up well with Philly in, in a surprising way. Um, because I one. think that, Because I think that the things that Philly wants to do on offense can often play into the hands of Dallas's defense a little bit. Um, and I think that Carson, um, I, I think that where this team, this team may struggle to get initial pressure at times um, on defense. If, if, you know, it's not Demarcus Lawrence, 
I, I think where this defense is really good is that they really don't anymore allow a lot of the he's still back there holding the ball. No, 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 yep. no, 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 no. no. Like, yep. I think that the, they don't allow as many of the long uh, plays as, as they have in the past. And I think, honestly, if you go back and watch, and this, there's been a discussion on this on Twitter, if you go back and watch Carson Wentz, you know, especially 2016 when he had his most success, uh, I mean, he had unreal luck or ability or whatever you want to say in third and long plays of just sitting in the pocket, sitting there, sitting there, not doing anything, taking a hit, shrugging it off, throwing the ball down the field. Um, I don't know that – and I think they kind of lived and died on an incredible conversion rate of third and ten-plus uh Situations, mm-hmm. I don't think the Cowboys allow that very much because no. they you know, they bring pressure quick, they get guys to the ground. Uh, yeah, even if they don't get pressure quick, they don't not get pressure. Their guys keep working and get through and, and find a way to get yep. through. They're relentless. So uh, I think that that's that's one. And, and I think also you know they they thrive on short passing. They want to get the ball to their tight ends. I, I think with Byron Jones still here, I think that, that that again kind of just all still plays in. Now we'll see how, what Jackson brings to, to de- that offense, and you know that's all going to play out. But I, I think mostly the Cowboys have found a way to match up with Philly pretty well. Um, and then what's the team that str- they struggle with though? Who's going to be the one hard. that's going to be their Achilles heel this year? It's hard. I mean, Green Bay is Green Bay is a good, you know, pick because that despite that. Aaron Rodgers is the king of that, and and he still manages to find a way to find. He manages to find a way. Sorry to, to find a guy right before the Cowboys are able to get to him. You know, and and uh, that's happened time and time again. I think that that that's a good look. Um, you know, I thought that Seattle was was a tough matchup for them at times. Um, you know, I thought there was going to be a tough. Tough game when we went to play them last last year in the playoffs, uh, and and I and I think the Rams are a tough matchup for for anybody. Um, so I think probably Can I give you another one. Yeah, Carolina is somebody they just don't match up very well with because that front seven is so good for Carolina, and it just seems like they can kind of neutralize the Cowboys' offensive line a little bit, and even more so now that they got Gerald McCoy. Cam, while Cam hasn't had great games against Dallas, he seems like he does make enough plays. Uh, they've got some kind of fun receivers now with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and obviously Christian McCaffrey. But it's really that front seven of Carolina that just seems like they can kind of play bully ball with the Cowboys a little bit in the trenches. Well, it's just that they make them play that game. You know, it's Carolina's built. Dallas wants to play that game, but right. so does Carolina. So. Right. They don't have a problem with that, it's, and you don't put them on their heels like you do most teams right. uh, playing bully ball. I that that's just a you know the last couple of years you know in 2018 2015 Carolina has done a really good job of kind of holding down the Cowboys offense. So um, let's go ahead and move on to some more questions, Landon. This one seems like it's targeted for you. I think uh, this one comes from Stockton. Are you going to just ignore how bad Dallas did without Ezekiel Elliott the season before last? He's essential to the team. So I don't know what you did to Stockton, but apparently he believes that you don't love Ezekiel Elliott, Landon. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I've I, I noted, noted Ezekiel Elliott hater, especially of the two of us. Uh, I, I, I'm not even sure, like, 
what what he's asking here. Um, I, I don't I don't know. Are I, you going to ignore how bad Dallas did without Zeke? In, I mean, that's that's the question to us, I guess. Uh, well, yes, yes. The, the answer is yes. <laughs> we are going to ignore it. Next question. Can, wait, wait, hold uh, on. Can we talk a little bit about this? Just thirty <laughs> seconds. Thirty no, seconds. No, please. Uh, yes. Okay, we can. Here, 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 here we go. Uh, Okay, you know what? You're right. We haven't talked about how essential Zeke Elliott is to the team. Um, gosh, uh, he had a lot of yards last year, and man, it's uh, it's uh, takes some real some real keen football eyes to figure out how important Zeke is to this team. <laughs> I want to talk about no. that 2017 stretch for just 30 seconds, right? Let's do uh, it. Okay. I think people are lumping. Okay, so they went three and three in that six-game stretch without Ezekiel Elliott, right? And I, Dak Prescott did not play well in that stretch. Um, but I, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I, the way that I look at that stretch is you had three games without Tyron Smith, and then you had three games with Tyron. In the three games without Tyron Smith, they were atrocious. Now, obviously, Elliott didn't play as well. Uh, but that Atlanta game, Chaz Green and Byron Bell were uh, atrocious isn't even a strong enough word. Um, they lost in that game. Then they played, I believe it was the was it the Chargers the next week? No, it was Philadelphia the next week. Philadelphia yeah. the next week, and then the Chargers. They struggled on offense in all three of those games. They couldn't protect, protect Prescott. Uh, it was bad. I think... Um, they got him back the following week against Washington. They scored 38 the following week uh, on the short week on the Thursday. And then the next week they played the Giants in New York. They put up 30 points with Tyron on the field. And again, no Ezekiel Elliott. And then the following week they beat Oakland in Oakland. I think it was 20-17. to The offense wasn't great in that game, but they, they put up enough points to win that one. And then Elliott came back in week 16, or yeah, week 16 against Seattle. Tyron tried to play. I think he made it three snaps and had to come out. And even as good as Elliott is, they only scored, I think it was 12 points in that game. So while a lot of people want to blame, you know, the Cowboys' lack lack of success because of Elliott's, you know, departure, not being there, it's really throughout the, the, the course of Prescott's career, when Tyron Smith isn't on the field, they struggle way more than when Elliott's not on the field. So uh, right. just my 30-second take. No, we're going further into this because here's the thing. <laughs> this is the other part about this that I guess no one wants to talk about, but the Cowboys, I mean, again, there's nuance to all of this. So, so I mean, and, and it gets as nuanced as, as you want to get, really. So let's take it even a step further. Tyron Smith and Ezekiel Elliott are probably the two most key guys that they had in mind when they also designed their – uh, blocking schemes, pass blocking schemes for the, for the entire season, right? They use a lot of five man protections because uh, uh, in situations because they trust their the tackles that are normally playing, especially uh, Tyron Smith, to be able to handle their assignments without extra help. And then when they do need extra help, who do they use? Maybe the best pass blocking eh. w- running back in the league. Uh, and that's that's the way that they kind of alternate. They like to chip. They like for him to stay and protect. All those things. One thing that they don't really do a ton of is use tight ends, or, or at least they didn't put it in the offense because they knew that they had a you know, all-pro tight end, all-pro left tackle, and an all-pro, especially at pass blocking, run, running back, is they didn't put in a lot of protections that included the tight end. So when both their left tackle and their running back are out, their pass blocking suffered 
extremely because of not just because of the talent loss, which is apparent, but also on top of that, because it was the loss of talent was uh, exacerbated by the fact that they were still trying to have to play. And this is a, a no doubt a, a, a coaching uh, problem, which, again, another another element that's added in here of of not making the adjustment to help give him better protections and even if maybe they did they had basically a week to install a new a new uh pass blocking scheme that included getting the tight end help or involving a running back who wasn't nearly as involved in pass blocking uh, as ezekiel elliott obviously was the previous few weeks so it it all these things feed into each other, as I just pointed out, and and so I think that when you take two key two key players out of that situation, you certainly can't turn around and point to one player's law, one of those two players being gone, sure and saying can. that that is that is the only reason uh, for X, Y, and Z. Because, like I just gave you as an example, it's not even just that. It's the combination of what that player does in in concert with the tackle, what that player does for the coach when he designs this, the pass blocking scheme before the season, all these things. So uh, I, I think we should really be careful with using things like splits for individual players in the team because – it, it, the effect of it is not one to one. It's not just oh, this player is that much a, a pl- above replacement value, uh, though that th- th- those those stats and those metrics are useful. It's not the entire picture. It, how how they fit into the scheme and how the scheme is designed to fit around the players, all of that is very relevant in these situations as well. Yeah, somehow this turned into a. Uh, do running backs matter conversation again? Man, I don't know how we keep getting sucked into this in every single podcast, but that's because you keep bringing it up. <laughs> All right, let's go through some rapid fire questions really quickly. All right, yes. All right. Uh, this one comes from Brett. How many wide receivers do the Cowboys end up keeping on the roster uh, this year? Six. Yeah, that kind of seems like the right number. Uh, I, I I don't I saw I think it was Todd Archer the other day had five on the roster that doesn't make uh, sense may, that's not I enough. mean maybe but I I I'd have I think it's six and then one of them will be Noah Brown probably because they kind they, of a they, combo they, yeah yeah well yeah it's like a, it's well I mean you get like I think that's what they're gonna try to do is more of this kind of bottom of the roster guys are multi-positional kind of multi-use players. That's why I think Tavon's going to be on the roster for sure because that gives you another guy to kind of, you know, him and Tony Pollard give you two of those players that can be uh, running back wide receivers. Yeah, yeah, positionalist yeah. offensive weapons. Uh, next question from Brian. Will the Cowboys make a play for a veteran backup quarterback? We've kind of talked about this on the podcast before, uh, but just kind of really quickly, Landon, do you think they'll entertain signing one of these guys? I mean, I think it depends on, again, it's too early. Like they're not going to do it right now. They're going to wait for at least a couple practices. Let these guys give these guys enough rope to hang themselves by, sure. and if if things don't work out, they'll go see what's on the street. But there's really no point in doing it right now because any veteran quarterback that you're going to bring in, he's not going to give you much in the first few weeks of training camp, anyways. And it doesn't take that long, you know, especially for these vet quarterbacks who have been around. To, to, to learn and install, they're they're used to coming into the se- these teams, you know, sometimes without an off season and learning these systems. So I think there's not really a good use for doing it right now. 
let these guys, young guys play it out and see what they do. And if they can't get the job done or you don't feel confident about it, then you bring in a vet, you see I what agree. he can do. Yeah, I agree. Um, this question comes from at James 9 uh, Going into the 2019 season, who do you want as your slot receiver, Randall Cobb, Cole Beasley, or Ryan Switzer? Make your pick. For the price that they're uh, at? No, no, I think this is just who is the best player between those three entering this year. Why is Ryan Switzer on that list? Well, because he was a former Cowboys slot receiver. Oh, okay. Um, so is Lance Lenore. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to get to him in a second. Hold on. Um, I, I, I don't know. I kind of, you know, I... I want to see some more Randall Cobb. I mean, I, wa- I was watching him a little bit last night. I was planning on watching him a little bit today. Um, I, I mean, I I think with what if the if the Cowboys are actually going to do what I think they're going to do, what it, they're saying they're going to do, what they're seemingly indicating that they're going to do, then give me Randall Cobb because I think he's more valuable to this offense as a piece than. Uh, than Beasley. What Beasley does is incredibly valuable. So valuable that it's basically the only thing he can do, and he will have a career that lasts a while while doing it. You know, it's that's how valuable being a third down and five receiver is. Uh, but I, I, I think as far as being useful to the team, I think ultimately... The Cowboys, if they are able to go more multiple, if they're able to do all those things because of they have a more flexible slot receiver like Cobb, then I think that that is enough that, to me, uh, I would rather have Cobb if that's the case. If that, uh, if that pans out that way, because if, if they just end up doing the same you know, crap that they've been doing you know, previous years and, and just running the slot in a very similar yeah. manner – then, then you know, if if price is not an option, then give me Beasley. But even if, but if price is an option, I probably still go with Cobb. I'm going Beasley, but maybe for the price, probably Cobb. Yeah, probably Cobb. Um, but I'm, I'm still a big Beasley fan. Um, we'll we'll finish up on this one, Landon. Uh, if you guys could make the 53 man roster, which player would you definitely keep off the team? Uh, I know my answer. Who would your answer be there, Landon? Ooh, give well, give your answer first because I might need to think about this for a second. Uh, it would be a wide receiver that uh, I don't think is particularly good and is not very good on special oh, teams. Speaking of Lance Lenore, it's, oh, okay. it's Lance Lenore. Yeah, it's it, it's Lance. It's just, there's so many other guys on the roster that I think have a higher ceiling that offer that offer more athleticism that can do multiple jobs uh, than Lance Lenore. That's why I'd rather see your guy Guyton uh, given his chances. So. Um, yeah, it's Lance Snor. Hmm. Is your guy Rico? Because it kind of feels like it might be Rico. I, you know, I mean, I don't like... But see, that's the thing is that I don't necessarily feel like like that. You know, like... Like he has to not be on the team? Like he has to be not on the team. I just I just don't have any confidence that he oh, will be on the yours. team. Yours is Darius okay. Jackson. You you no, you've kind see, of been I mean, you know, here's the thing. This is this here's what's funny. I kind of come around on Darius Jackson no. because <laughs> because now he's the underdog. Now I'm not being bombarded every single day about it. Now he's got guys who are drafted over him. I think he's a he's fully recovered from his knee injury. I think he he has a chance to potentially 
get Mike Weber cut if he has a good training camp. Um, because I, if he has that explosiveness back, then I want then that's great. But last year he didn't really have that. I, I just feel like he wasn't all the way back. But if he's all the way back, I'm not against Darius Jackson being on this team at all. You know, I, I think I like I like the dude. I just didn't like how everyone had fitted him for a gold jacket <laughs> after he got cut by the Browns. Uh, uh. So yeah, I, I I don't know. I probably Rico. I guess. I mean, just because I, I feel like it's time to. Not waste that spot, maybe. Not, not. We we need that spot. I think now. No, I think that's fair. I was watching the the Rams playoff game, and I was kind of shocked how often Rico was on the field in you know in, in the divisional playoff game that the Cowboys were having to rely on Rico as even a you know a receiver. There was times where he was running important routes on third down, which. It's just kind of shocking. Actually, it was shocking to see Dalton Schultz and Rico on the field at the same time in a playoff game. It just kind of shows you where the Cowboys were well, uh, with their tight end group. Remember Wade Phillips and tight ends? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, I'm sure that was the thought process. So. Yeah, that's very yeah. Um, All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Lockdown Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you guys next time. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.